Coffee House Shots is sponsored by Crux, one of the world's leading boutique asset management firms specialising in Asian, European and UK investments. We invest in the long term and our dedicated team of investment professionals have decades of fund management experience between them. Visit cruxam.com for more information. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Sasaif and James Johnson of JL Partners. And we are talking about the aftermath of the North Shropshire by-election. Over the past month, there have been increasing doubts about Boris Johnson's ability to stay in post. Many don't think anything's about to happen overnight. But it's certainly the case that in the past month, talk of who might lead the party into the next election has increased and the bookies now are in favour of Boris Johnson leaving in the next year. James Forsyth, before we get on to who in this scenario might be a contender if we do end up in a Tory leadership race, how perilous are things for Boris Johnson? He's been written off in the past and come back stronger. I think the big test for him is the May local elections coming up next year. I think at the moment he is protected by the fact that you know, I was talking to one of Boris Johnson's most kind of ardent critics earlier today, and they were saying, look, you know, you can't possibly regard now with a record number of COVID cases as in anything like a, a sensible time to be thinking about a vote of no confidence in, in the Prime Minister by his own party. So I think that does provide him with some protection. But then I think that these May elections, which are on seats largely last fought in 2018, when the result was essentially, if you do that projected national vote share thing, showed Labour and the Tories roughly level pegging. You know, if the Tories got considerably worse results than they got in 2018, then I think there would be a problem for them. And I think the worry, if you are him, is the political environment in 2022 looks worse than the political environment in 2021 from his perspective. You've got, you know, you're going to have COVID dominating at the beginning of the year, you're going to have inflation, you're going to have tax increases in April, you know, it is going to be hard sledding for the Tories. James Johnson, we have two James, so I'm going to be quite formal on this podcast. <laughs> From your focus groups and polling, have you noticed much of a shift in the past month? Or what, what do you think the timeline's been? Yeah, I think there definitely has been a shift. I think what we've seen throughout most of the 2019 Parliament is some things hitting the government's ratings, some things leading people to question the government's competence, but ultimately nothing really changing. A sort of background of, sort of sympathy and the benefit of the doubt being given for the Conservative Party. I think that all changed with the release of the Christmas party sort of story. And uh, we've seen sort of people become much more hostile about the Conservative brand, much more hostile about Boris Johnson himself. We've seen Labour take decisive leads in the polls since that story came out. So I think that's one of the real things that have shifted. And I think that's really moved us away into quite a different world of public opinion, actually, that we saw underscored by that by-election result in North Shropshire, one where the public are not just saying, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, but actually where they're much more immediately hostile to Boris Johnson. And that's much trickier for the Conservatives to repair than perhaps some of those other challenges they faced earlier in the Parliament. And James Forsyth, it's one of the problems here that actually, if you look at the various things that have added up to this sense of unease in North Shropshire in the build-up to the vote, so 
James Johnson mentions the Downing Street parties, the video that leaked. But we've also had the CBI speech about Peppa Pig, which landed quite badly. We've had the Owen Patterson sleaze scandal, which ultimately became a bigger issue because Boris Johnson decided to step in only to then get back on it. And then there's also the Downing Street refurbishment, which has been ticking away for some time. Is it an issue that they're all just very closely linked to him? It's hard to say it's a Tory-wide problem. Yeah, so Cheshire and Amersham, you could say, oh, this is about HS2, it's about the Tories' proposed planning reforms. North Shropshire, as you say, is, is much more linked to number 10. I think there's also something else going on in North Shropshire, which is illustrative. At a recent political cabinet, they were shown a presentation where Isaac Levito, the Tories' electoral strategist from 2019, talked about the declining salience of Brexit as an issue. That among the kind of voters in the key swing constituencies, I think about over 60% at 2019 had rated Brexit as a very important issue that had now dropped back to, I think, uh, roughly one in four. And, and Boris Johnson was saying, well, you know, look, we could create a kind of keep Brexit done narrative at the next election. I think what North Shropshire showed with a heavily leave voting seat been prepared to vote for the Liberal Democrats, who remember at the last election ran on a platform of simply rejoining the EU, is that those old Brexit divisions do not matter as much for the public. The public does basically view Brexit as settled and as done. And so I think Tory hopes of kind of waving the bloody shirt of Brexit and hoping that that would hold their coalition together. I think those hopes are going to be disappointed. So I think they need a new song to sing on that front. And I think that that is one of the challenges, which is, you know, what is the new Tory message now that the public consider Brexit to be done? Now, we're not at a Tory leadership contest. It could be that there isn't one before the next election, but we can still talk about one. So, James Johnson, I wondered, in terms of, I suppose, voter awareness, there are talk of letters going in, probably some way to go, but the local elections next year could be a, a trigger. How aware do you think voters are of the other candidates who, you know, if there was going to be a successor to Boris Johnson? I think Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss are the two that come up the most at the moment. Yeah, well, I think they're certainly aware that there's pressure on Boris Johnson. I do think that any leadership election anytime soon would be a real disaster for the Conservatives. I think that however bad Boris Johnson's ratings are at the moment, the sort of the public's view of a party holding a leadership election during a, a national crisis, even in a few months' time, would reflect very badly, I think, on that party. And I think would give really quite significant ammunition to Keir Starmer's Labour Party in any future election. So I think you know, the Conservatives also have to be careful about if and when they have a contest, because that could also impact the brand just as much as Boris Johnson's current leadership is. So when it comes to particular candidates, the two sort of best rated members of the cabinet with the public, this isn't with Conservative Party members, but with the public, is quite well out in front, Rishi Sunak, um, who people have very high awareness of because of the furlough measures from earlier in the pandemic. And then the second most popular is not someone we always get touted as the front runner. It's the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, who also gets a pretty warm reception in the focus groups. He's seen as straight talking. He's seen as somebody who answers questions directly, which seems to get him a fair bit of, of credit amongst voters. So those are the two that the public sort of see as the most important. Obviously, the other key name in there is Liz Truss, at least as far as members are concerned. Two warning points on Liz Truss. She hasn't really cut through to the public as a whole yet. A lot of people still aren't really aware of who she is and opinions aren't particularly positive or negative either way. And also, even amongst Conservative Party members, although when you look at that Conservative Home members poll that they do, she's right at the top of the table in terms of favourability. When you ask members 
who they want to be the next leader of the Conservative Party, Rishi Sunak is still quite a way out in front. So I think what is going to be fundamental in any future leadership election is the wider public, is the view of how electable and how uh, possible is it for this future leader to assemble an electoral coalition. Now, we're some way off, obviously. Um, it may not even happen before the next election. But at the moment, that's advantage Rishi Sunak when it comes to that metric. And James Forsyth, when it comes to the Parliamentary Party, we've heard about a Liz Valida WhatsApp group. I believe it has now been disbanded after being um, outed publicly. But who do you think has the most parliamentary support or the MPs who I think are the most favourable towards a certain person? I think it is too early to look at parliamentary numbers. And I think one of the other reasons why looking at parliamentary numbers is difficult is but I think at the moment you're at this phase of a game where lots of people are considering a run, considering their options. And so that makes it hard to get a reliable idea of, you know, who is going to get the most cabinet endorsements, who is going to have the most support among the backbenchers. I think it is worth remembering that in 2019, you had so many candidates that the 1922 committee felt obliged to kind of create minimum levels of support that were required to get you onto the ballot paper to kind of restrict a number of candidates. I suspect you would see a similar dynamic this time. And I think, as James said, I think an awareness of that is one of the reasons why I don't think you're going to see... I mean, I don't think you're even going to see people really consider sending letters in until you are out of this kind of current acute phase of the pandemic. Because, I mean, the idea of the Tories voting no confidence in their leader, the Prime Minister, while the NHS is under pressure, and then, you know, 22 candidates putting their names forward, would, would just would just confirm, you know, every worst stereotype about the Tory parliamentary party. So I think this this conversation kind of waits, if it happens at all, waits until you are at a more stable point. And James Johnson, we have a situation where Boris Johnson is down, but he's not out. So I wondered, do you think that he is probably still the hardest opponent for Labour? We've seen in the past Keir Starmer really struggled to land a blow on Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson can land a blow on himself, but Labour find it hard to do. So I wondered if you if you thought Boris Johnson is still a tricky opponent for Labour compared to someone like Rishi Sunak. So Boris Johnson definitely has bounce back ability and the key attributes voters in the red wall are looking for are strength and authenticity. And clearly Boris Johnson ticked two of those boxes very well at the last election. It remains to be seen whether he can do that again. So yes, Boris Johnson can bounce back, but do I think he's a better candidate to put up against Labour than Rishi Sunak? No, I'd probably not. I think Rishi Sunak has real advantages with the public. It's quite interesting. I've had a few conversations with Labour people in the last couple of months and they all sort of feel like Rishi Sunak is a bit of a, a bit of a fad. You know, they feel he's, he might be popular at the moment, but it will soon disappear. And actually, Keir Starmer will be able to wipe the floor with him. And I think they are really underestimating him, actually. His appeal with the voters does not come from just handing out money. It comes from a feeling that he actually made a real connection with them at that very first press conference that people still remember and still talk about in the focus groups when he announced that money. But also that he has a wider sense that he's not like any other politician, that he's more authentic and that he's more likely to get things done. I've pried with a few of these of people who, who doubt whether Rishi Sunak can be elected. And another thing that comes up is, 
you know, people say, well, you know, the Red Wall would never elect a non-white person as, as Prime Minister. And that is a staggering misunderstanding of these voters who, as far as I can tell, you know, don't have any sense of bigotry when it comes to voting for parliamentary candidates and certainly not for prime ministers. So I think that Rishi Sunak is a, is a very strong proposition for the Conservatives. And I actually think Labour would need to be quite careful that they don't wish too hard to get rid of Boris Johnson before the next election, because they could well be up against somebody who could suddenly snap a lot of this thing back. Final thing to say is, is that a lot of these brand problems for the Conservatives at the moment they're Boris Johnson problems, not Conservative problems. You know, Conservatives still seen as better on the economy, still seen as better on immigration. It's very possible that a new leader could completely rejuvenate the Conservative Party almost overnight. Voters are very volatile, as James mentioned there, in regards to the Leave vote. And they could also come back to the Tories just as readily as they'll leave them. Thank you, James. And thank you, James. And thank you for listening. <laughs>